Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, a certified lymphedema therapist and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease, lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each month, I will discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. Between shows, you can catch me on IGTV or Instagram TV, as well as monthly live Q&A sessions. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast just for you. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. Welcome back for episode 95 of Lymphedema Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about emotional and mental wellness for caretakers. It's very important that caretakers take time to care for themselves. Today, I'm going to have a special guest on, and we're going to talk about her experiences as a seasoned CLT and my recent experience where I had a little bit of a meltdown in an interview that I wasn't expecting. Thanks for joining us. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Lymphedema Podcast is made possible by the support of Eros Medical, Bryland's Feet Foundation, Dr. Jenna Wishnu at Lamb Vascular & Associates, Juzo Compression, MediUSA, and the National Lymphedema Network. For more information and to browse previous episodes, visit the Lymphedema Podcast website. In a recent interview for the podcast, I had a moment unlike anything I've experienced before. The closest I can come to describing it without a therapy session is to say that I was overtaken with grief when I noticed the date on my computer screen. I'll tell you more about that in a moment, actually. I'm probably just going to play you the audio. This final episode is for the caretakers, CLTs, and friends of those with lymphedema. Most of my content is geared toward education for patients in the lymphedema community, but it is time to share something to help the caretakers take care of themselves. Joining me to discuss this topic is a fellow CLT, Aidy McKenzie. She is a licensed massage therapist, physical therapist assistant, Lena certified, and as well as a health and wellness coach. Aidy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to get to do this. So I think I appreciate you taking the time out to kind of share your wisdom and years of experience with us in this topic of emotional wellness for CLTs like ourselves and other caretakers. Since we're talking about emotional health, I would really like to get your experience as a seasoned CLT with emotional health relating to our work. Have you had times where you felt these like bad emotions when it came to patient outcomes and just care? This, I, I think that the most profound thing about treating lymphedema is you can, in the right situation, have such fantastic results so quickly and see um, this enormous um, improvement in a patient's quality of life. But the, the setup is 
the patient may not have the right um, kind of home uh, help. They may not um, have gotten appropriate information in time and their condition may have all kinds of sequela or you know other things that are um, following it or that contribute to it that make it really hard to manage. So I always found it was a bit of a roller coaster from one patient who is absolutely um, helping me feel as a therapist that I'm very effective to the next patient in which I feel kind of helpless and sad. And um, I was very fortunate to have terrific mentorship early in my career as a CLT. Previously to that, as an oncology massage therapist. So those things. That's really good. One, I want to point out that you had mentorship. You had someone with some wisdom and some experience to kind of help guide you through those, I'm going to say emotions, but also just difficult situations that we're not taught about in school. This isn't something you can necessarily learn out of a textbook. Um, compassion and kindness and sympathy for your patients isn't something that you're taught out of a textbook. Um, often that is just your innate characteristics, but also seeing some patients circumstances where you just think, man, like the deck is stacked against them. I have some resources for them, but you just can't, you know, you can't give away your time for free. You can't be transportation to and from their home. Uh, you can't give them your paycheck to buy a garment. You can't give them, you know, an extra room in your house so they can afford to come to therapy as regularly as needed. There are all these things that you can't learn in a textbook um, and that yeah. you don't even expect to be hit with this scenario. I mean, I'm thinking right now of some patients, um, one of my first patients, he, I'm not, I'm not going to remember correctly because it was a very long time ago for me. <laughs> um, he had, I think cerebral palsy maybe, and he was in a mobile motorized wheelchair and, um, his feet were always in that downward dependent, um, position, even though his chair could recline. Um, but he told me at one point he was living in an apartment without water or electricity for about three months. And oh. how could he do hygiene? You know, he would roll through the clinic and everyone would cover their nose and turn their face. And I just wanted to be like, I wish I had, you know, an accessible shower in our clinic for you to get into and just take care of some basic needs. Um, and yeah. that's something that I would struggle with um, as an early, the new CLT, at least, is just some of those things that were outside of my control that I wasn't even aware that I would be faced with. Yeah, you kind of have to be social services in addition to lymphatic therapy. Um, and then, you know, all the physical or occupational kinds of interventions that are also needed. Um, it, it is, uh, it, it's, a, it's a system that, that needs repair. You know, our medical system needs repair. And um, neither you nor I can fix it on our own, but we can be a cog in the wheels of change. Definitely. And I think in this conversation, one thing I want to help change one, you know, good thought I want to put out there or some advice I want to put out there 
is maybe we can share from our experiences how we're able to process some of these frustrations. What kind of keeps you going? Um, you have a clinical practice that you're a part of, you have a private practice that you're a part of, um, mm-hmm. what kind of keeps you motivated and determined to really continue to have good patient outcomes and to continue in like a private and a clinical practice? Well, I mean, I am an older person, so I'm getting to the point where I'm trying to look at what happens next. And it's, it's kind of heartbreaking because I, I love what I do. So, you know, partly loving what you do helps one keep going. Um, Also, you know, I feel that it's very important to have a good team. And I have a variety of good teams that I belong to. Um, Working at the Integrative Medicine Clinic here at Vanderbilt, um, I have all kinds of colleagues with all kinds of expertise. Um, Mindfulness, um, and, and focusing on our own mindfulness and helping our patients become aware of mindfulness practices is a huge part of what we do in integrative healthcare. So um, that is very helpful. I have, I personally have, you know, therapeutic relationships. So I receive um, body work and I receive um, psychotherapy on a, a infrequent but regular basis. And um, so I get my opportunities to unpack. I also have an incredibly supportive husband. So, you know, I don't have any kids. I've got my husband and he is very tolerant of letting me unpack um, emotionally stressful situations. And then I also do run um, or help run a support group here locally, which has been less um, vibe during the pandemic that I anticipate will pick back up very shortly. And um, that group is a, is a fascinating group because it's not just a group of therapists providing information to patients. It's also populated with therapists who want to learn from one another, patients who want to help each other, um, local uh, vendors will come in and do demonstrations for us. Um, uh, researchers from Vanderbilt have come and done presentations for us and are available to us for questions. So, you know, we all support one another in that group and that's been helpful to everybody. It seems like a common thing you've mentioned is just having people around you, you know, not processing it alone. Um, you have your mm-hmm. husband who will allow you, you know, at home to vent and release some of that frustration awareness in the clinical setting, that integrative medicine, you guys are focused on your well-being as well as your patients and a community support um, through the support group and also through you pursuing therapy, psychotherapy um, when needed. Is that something you do um, when you feel just kind of like you're getting overwhelmed and you need a little extra boost? Um, or is that something that maybe you plan quarterly to go do? Cause you had mentioned infrequent. I, yeah, I, I do it a little more frequently than quarterly, but you know, just, I do try to, every time I see my psychotherapist, I try to set up another appointment, you know, for several weeks away. And, um, and I do that, you know, partly because of my past life history and partly because of the kind of work that I do where 
you know, I do, um, I, I lose people, you know, I've had a lot of loss as a therapist over the many years I've been in therapy, but, um, I've been providing some kind of bodywork therapy. Um, but also, uh, especially over the 10 years of doing, uh, lymphedema therapy, because a huge portion of those patients are cancer patients or patients with other kind of chronic and life-threatening illness and who have not stuck around with me as long as I would have liked. Yeah. I'm remembering some of mine right now too. And um, you've mentioned you have many years of wisdom and experience under your belt. I don't have nearly as many. I think I'm about in year seven or so in the last year or so I've been working with pediatrics. Um, And that has been something for me that has overtaken (laughs) um, in a way um, my mind. I'm also a new mother. I have a 17 month old. And when he was born, I started doing some education consulting through this nonprofit Bryland's Feet Foundation. And the baby was, I mean, days apart from my son. And it was so hard to, I mean, I walked out and cried because I had to tell this family, you know, there isn't a cure for lymphedema. Yes, this is something you will have to manage daily for his life. Um, you know, and just all the other things that we tell our, our adult patients, but they seem to be able to process it a little bit better. Um, but I knew the emotions hormonally that I was feeling as a mother. Um, and this mother, um, in a different country was feeling the same hormonal emotions that our bodies go through. And then on top of that, just the whirlwind of having to process what is lymphedema for your son. And so, um, pediatric lymphedema for me has been something that has been a blessing and I'm super passionate about it. And I don't think that I'll ever stop um, working with this foundation because I see the importance of early intervention. Um, We tell, you know, patients after a mastectomy or after a lymph node biopsy for cancer treatment, you know, get into preventative compression, get into see your CLT. But a lot of doctors tell parents of newborns, there's nothing you can do for your kid, your, their lymphedema, oh. they're going to grow out of it or just wear some tall socks. Um, oh. but would we ever tell that to a patient who's coming out of cancer treatment? No, we would get in there because that's where all the research has gone into secondary lymphedema. So you can yeah. tell from my rant here that I definitely have <laughs> some, uh, thoughts on how the pediatric population just has been underserved. Um, And that has emotionally been a a lot for me. And those parents, I just feel for those parents. Koya Medical is working to transform care for lymphedema and venous disease. Koya's Dayspring is the first FDA-cleared treatment that provides essential movement and mobility to people with lymphedema. Unlike traditional pneumatic compression pumps that require patients to be plugged into the wall during use, Koya's Dayspring treatment enables you to carry on with your daily life while receiving treatment. Learn more about the Dayspring active compression and the FlexFrame technology that makes it all possible at koyamedical.com. Do you know of any support groups that other than, um, like there's a Facebook group, you know, lymphedema therapist, helping lymphedema therapist. Um, do you know of any like caregiver or clinical support groups for, um, people who are in the medical field that want to have community with others? You know, that's, that's a really good question. I have, 
you know, as I, I mentioned, I'm so fortunate. I've got all these little circles of, of um, support. And at the Osher Center, th there are seven Osher Center. And so there are massage therapists around the country who are part of this integrative healthcare um, clinic at large. And um, we have sort of formed a little massage therapy team to support one another. And that's very helpful. I don't know, you know, specifically as you were describing, that sounds like a, um, a wonderful area to, to create something, you know, I, I suspect there's tons of interest in something like that um, beyond Facebook groups, because I think just being able to post a comment is different than having a conversation. Yeah. So um, it would be interesting to try to create since we now know that virtual interaction is is so available and, and it works and and it's useful, yeah. which was one of my big messages during the pandemic. Um, that's something we could do. Maybe we should do that. Uh, if anyone is listening and you're interested, um, email me. Uh, I have my email at the end of the episode, but it's podcast at gmail. And we can see about building. I mean, this is what I do. I feel like all the time I see a gap and I'm like, oh, there's not a podcast on lymphedema. I'll do it. Oh, there's not a summer camp for children in America with lymphedema. I'll do it. <laughs> um, so, well, at some point the plate gets too full and that's another thing to, you know, keep in mind that, you know, your plate's only so big at some point it's going to overflow, but, but good for you. That is important. Um, yeah. And I think that I would like to help or advertise the support group, not necessarily facilitate it. I would participate, yeah. um, but I definitely feel like that would be something for us caregivers that could um, share and relate. Um, Elise Cantu, she is a PT um, oncology board certified uh, PT out of Fort Worth, Texas. And she talks about how at combined sessions for physical therapy, they have a, um, like a day or a night of remembrance for those in the oncology department. Mm. And so they go and they honor the patients that they've lost along the way, um, throughout their time, because it is an emotional burden for us, um, as caregivers, we want to provide care. We don't want to see the bad outcomes. We know that they happen. Um, but this gives them a time to come together and have remembrance and to honor them. And um, I think she says it happens at every um, CSM for the Lymphony, uh, Physical Therapy Association yeah. um, that she goes to. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and I've thought about that for, you know, conferences, like we have um, big conferences regionally for lymphedema every year or so. I feel like that would be a really nice addition as well is to have a night of remembrance, um, to maybe process some of that as well for us, because as we've discussed here, you know, there's a lot more to it than just providing this hands-on treatment and manual therapy, um, social work. We feel like we're social workers. Sometimes, um, sometimes we feel like the psychotherapist where, um, even in orthopedic, I remember the joke was, you know, they lay down on the mat and would say, well, we're not that kind of therapist. Like you're not laying on a couch. Um, but I feel like that's just common whenever you're a helper, when that is your, your work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that too, 
any kind of therapy is intimate, but especially I think with lymphedema, um, there's a level of intimacy that's so deep that I find that I tend to fall in love with my patients. Current setting, I mostly see people for long-term maintenance. Um, it, it's a love thing. You know, we, we develop a deep personal um, a feeling toward one another. And it is incredibly personal when you lose somebody. Uh, so I, I like your idea. I think that that could be very supportive of, um, of us as therapists, but also might translate into some of the ways that we work with our people who we know are in situations where they're not necessarily going to be around real long. Yeah. You're talking about emotional connection to patients and, and I, I fall in love easily. I feel like (laughs) with these kids, um, it can't watch me and meeting patients and their family members. And when I was in the clinic, it didn't take long for me to really become attached. Um, I mean, I would, you know, ask about their grandkids or we talk about their vacations and like, it's just a really intimate thing. Um, for an hour at a time, you get to know this person and they get to know you and, I'm wondering if, cause I'm, I think I had bad advice early on about not getting attached. Do you feel like we give that advice or that advice is given out to new students or new clinicians about, you know, keep work and personal life separate. And, you know, you don't get attached to patients or don't build up that kind of relationship. Um, and then we set ourselves up for failure because it hurts even worse whenever we're like, man, they told us not to get attached. Um, do you think that is something that plays a role in our, I don't know, sadness? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because isn't that like kind of part of our ethical training is to keep that separate. And I, I've always just poo-pooed it because from the beginning doing massage therapy 40 something years ago, I was developing intimate relationships with people watching their children grow up, massaging their babies, um, you know, being there for them when they had an emotional crisis and uh, being invited to family events and things. And it didn't seem appropriate to say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm your massage therapist. I can't have this kind of relationship with you. Um, I, I think it's, it's, um, not necessarily bad advice to be able to keep your, your heart separate, you know, and have your your separation of your personal life and your, your work life. But I I think it's um, unlikely that, that anybody who has the heart of a therapist is going to truly do that. So I, I, yeah, so maybe it's not, you know, finding ways to do it where it's not harmful to you. Um, or where you have management strategies, action. Uh, I, I don't know, but I don't think it's practical or realistic to expect people not to have that intimacy and, and fondness and, and high regard. Yeah, I definitely feel like it is. If you have that, you know, And I don't want to offend anyone who's listening by saying like that true heart of a helper, because I feel like people can be helpful and maybe not as emotional as maybe I am. Um, (laughs) But, and I used to think to myself, you know, I'm pretty, 
pretty ice cold. And I would tell people when they're like, oh, you're so helpful. You're so nice. I'm like, well, don't tell anyone. I've really worked hard on my bad reputation. Like <laughs> I'm generally just sarcastic like that. But um, in the orthopedic side, I mean, I'm pretty rough and tough and let's keep going, push yourself harder. But in the lymphedema side, I mean, I'm a little bit more tender. I mean, I'm tough and strict, but still like my heart really goes out to these patients. So I do think that it's just difficult to live up to that standard of keeping your heart separate and protecting yourself from being attached. I, I, I totally agree that that's really difficult to do. Yeah. The best therapists I know are really um, tender toward their patients. Um, now that's me. And as you said, I'm sure there are other people who really have more of a, you know, clinical demeanor and are able to keep those things separate. But I think it, especially if you're working with a population, if you're working, excuse me, with a population who's likely to rehabilitate and you're seeing them for a limited episode, I think you might have more of that standoffish um, ability. But if you're working with people who have cancer, who are going through the scariest, most, you know, and I don't mean cancer trumps every other disease, but if you're working with somebody with a really serious illness um, or who's being bombarded by intervention like chemotherapy and radiation um, and, and, or even with primary lymphedemas where somebody has gone years and years and years of going, why the heck is my leg swollen? And nobody has been able to tell them and they get to you and things are so much worse than they could have been if you got them early, like you're getting your, your kids, you know, um, then that it's just heartbreaking. And it is hard to me and to most of the therapists I know to keep that emotion separate, you know, and it's hard not to love someone who loves you. Mm-hmm. as the helper, you know, we are, I described, I was in a zoom call earlier this morning and I describe it as when patients have lymphedema, it's like their house is on fire, but they don't know what a fire truck is. And I'm mm-hmm. over here just like driving my fire truck around looking for houses. And it's hard for someone to not love someone back when they appreciate you so much, you know? when they tell you you're an angel, you've saved my life. I couldn't, you know, I can't, can't imagine where I'd be without you. How do you look at them and go see you tomorrow at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I, I came to a certain point years ago where I just said, you know, I don't want that. I want the intimacy that I get from these therapeutic relationships, which don't always become long and ongoing, but often do. Um, and I, especially now, you know, people will often find me on the internet. They will tell me that they think they have lymphedema, that, you know, it, they will describe a situation where they need primary initial evaluation and treatment. And then my um, sense of community services, I need to help them hook up with the right setting to use their medical benefits and get that treatment, but then see me for maintenance afterwards if they feel that maintenance is within their budget and um, something they want. So, you know, I, I guess I court that kind of relationship and I have, you know, years and years, I've got people I've been seeing for, for, for general massage. I've got people I've been seeing for 30 years for, um, 
lymphatic massage and, and lymphedema therapy, I've got people I've been seeing for 10 years. So practically since I became a CLT. As you can tell from this conversation with 80, there's a lot more we can unpack as caregivers in our emotional wellness. I'm gonna go ahead and cut our interview into two parts today because there's a lot more that we haven't talked about. Join me next week where we finally listen to my audio meltdown and we talk a little bit more about the standards of our institutions that we worked for really can be detrimental to our patient care and our decision-making. Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about the emotional wellness of caretakers and lymphedema therapists today. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.